So next time you're in California, what you want to do is you go off the coast into the Pacific Ocean. And you go down 7,500 feet. And you find what are called the rainbow geothermal vents, which are these vents where heat is expelled and there's some sort of rainbow-colored geological phenomenon there. And right in there is a miniature horse that someone has left as a geocache. So I'm sure all of you will run out and do this. Um, just let me know. Send me a picture maybe if you have. I, of course, have been there many, many times. Um, and, uh, you know, it's commercialized, but it's still fun. Um, so anytime you're in California, you're taking a swim, you, you just you look for the right place and you can find... Uh, this geocache and I, I just think you know it's something that you know is good for a beginner um, and so all you need is some special gear and a submarine anyway welcome back to geocaching scripture if geocaching if you're not familiar with it is this rarefied sport hobby of finding these little treasures and along familiar pathways um, the rainbow uh, geothermal events or vents may not be um, familiar to you um, but anyway geocaches are these little treasures and they're usually just fun stuff trinkets and that kind of thing um, that puts the treasure hunting back into a, a walk that may be familiar to you you can find them in the suburbs you can find them um, and there's a few of them in Antarctica there are some at the top of Mount Everest and of course there's this one which is a mere 7,000 foot dive into the Pacific Ocean uh, I thought it was a perfect metaphor for me for how it is when I read scripture now. Um, having been in ministry for about a decade, uh, grown up in the church, and very much in, in scripture until it's almost over familiar. But to me, um, finding these little geocaches, treasures of language, cultural situation, interpretation, theology, all sorts of things have made it uh, come alive again and help me to see its dimension. Anyway, so that's that, and you don't have to go to the bottom of the sea for it. Woo! Again, Josh here, just uh, broadcasting to you from the Blanket Fort. Um, to, so I, I have three kids, I hide in a closet under a blanket because I don't have any sort of soundproof studio and I have to hide from them. And um, today I find myself under what I believe is a, uh, a princess blanket. So yes, so Cinderella and um, Elsa are pretty much just staring at me the whole time that I'm talking to you. Um, and I think that is, you know, as good a place as any to look into the scripture, so let's do it. Philippians 4, verse 5. Philippians 4, verse 5. Paul's letter to the Philippian community. Let's start with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, um... The, the latter part of that verse is probably what you find in a cross-stitch sampler, but the place where I want to get, where I want to zero in here is verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. This word reasonableness is very interesting to me. The NIV translates it as gentleness. 
the New Living Translation gives it as, See that you are considerate in all that you do. The Berean Bible study does gentleness as well. The good old King James says, Let your moderation be known to all men. So that word there, gentleness or reasonableness, is epi case. Epi case is a fantastic Greek word. And it's just interesting to me, and it's very simple. Um, let your gentleness be known to everyone, your reasonableness be known to everyone. As Christians, especially in the U.S., are we known for our reasonableness and our gentleness? Is this how people know us? Is this our witness? Is this what we say to the world? In my experience, a lot of what I have said to those outside of faith or considering faith is, I am not that. Let me tell you what I am not. I do not have sex before marriage. I do not drink to excess. I do not X, Y, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. We tell you a lot of what I'm not in an aggressive and very, and sometimes just very aggressive and blunt sort of way. Um, I remember in college as a university zealot, I had a bumper sticker on the back of my car. This is embarrassing, but I feel like I can tell you about it. I had a bumper sticker on the back of my car with fire coming from the bottom of it that said, if you're living like there is no God, you better be right. Grr, angry. Now, this, the, the message there... The theology, of course, is important. We do want to. We want to. We want to turn people toward God. We want to turn their heads towards God. But the sentiment behind it is so aggressive and so anti. There's nothing about that that is epi case. That is gentleness. That is reasonableness. And this gentleness and reasonableness always seems to go further when it comes to how we can be examples and witnesses for the kingdom. There's a great story I read recently. Uh, it's about a caddy who worked at a great golf course, and he golfed with some of the greats. And he um, wrote this reflections on all these golfing with all these people. And one of the people was Billy Graham, which I thought was really interesting. And one of the other caddies was there, and he was watching Billy Graham golf, you know. And this was the early 60s. Billy Graham's career was definitely at a peak, but it was not in a place where he would have been recognized by everyone. But this other caddy did not recognize Billy Graham. So he saw him golfing, and he and Billy Graham loved to golf. There are tons of pictures of Billy Graham and Bob Hope and other people out golfing. So anyway, there he is golfing, and he had a rough start. He just screwed up a couple of the early holes and, and had to take mulligans and missed strokes and all sorts of other golf terminology that I obviously don't know. Um, and the caddy was used to hearing a volley of profanity and abuse and, and curses drawn down on the golf course and everybody there, and definitely the caddies especially. But he heard none of that from, from Billy Graham. He just kept playing. Eventually the caddy kind of got up his, his nerve and, and said, Hey, man, I... I I haven't seen you, you know, use any of the terminology usually used by someone who's missing golf strokes. What are you, a preacher or something? And Billy Graham said quietly, well, yeah, I'm kind of a preacher. And he just went on and played the next hole. 
And I just thought that was really cool, this guy writing about this like 40 years later, um, reflecting on the reasonableness, the gentleness, the FBI case that Billy Graham was showing in that exchange, which had more effect than Billy Graham standing up in that guy's face and telling him, well, I'm a Christian and I don't say swears. He just played the next hole. And that's, I think, what we're called to do quite a bit. Just play on and keep going. Anyway, and I do apologize for taking a week off. I, I had some sick kids, and um, we had an outbreak of uh, binge-watching and general laziness at our house, and I'm afraid I caught it myself. So there you go. I'm back. Geocaching scripture is back. Tiny treasures in the big truth. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.